These two verses speak of events yet future in every one of our lives. These verses speak of the grave, the resurrection of life, and the resurrection of damnation. When God made you, He made you in the image of God. He made you an eternal creation. He breathed into you the breath of life, and you became a living, eternal soul. You will live forever somewhere because you were made in the image of God. This verse tells us that the hour is coming that you will die, that you will take your place in the grave. You say, Pastor, I'm getting cremated. I'd like to encourage you to get buried. Um, that is a, the Christian mode of, of, of burial, of, of, of dealing with the dead. It honors the memory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whether, whether we're in a grave or whether we're scattered upon this earth, um, God knows where we're going to be, where our body is going to be after we die. And the hour is coming that they that are in the graves shall hear His voice. They shall hear the voice of God. The hour of our physical death is coming. Death is a certainty. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 tells us, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Death is for certain. God has the appointment calendar made. He knows when you're going to die. And it says after this is the judgment. After this, the judgment. So death doesn't end your existence. Death is just a transition from this life to the next life. According to the word of God, death can happen at any time. James 4 and verse 14 tells us that whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. If you boiled hot water this morning for tea, you may have seen the vapor ascending into, into the air. And before it got to the ceiling, it was gone. It had vanished away. And our lives on this earth, compared to eternity, are just a vapor. They're just a vapor. They appear for a little time and then vanish away. Um, the Bible tells us in Corinthians that today is the day of salvation. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow to take care of eternity. God has made provisions, and we're going to see those provisions in His Word this morning, so that we can be certain of an eternity with God in a place called heaven. Prepare for death today. Well, not only is the hour of our death still, present, um, still future, but there is the hour of the resurrection of life. 
It is coming. The Bible says there's a resurrection of life and there's a resurrection of damnation. Well, the resurrection of life is spoken about in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. It is the next event on God's prophetic timetable. The rapture will happen and the tribulation period will begin on this earth. The rapture of the church, it will end what is known as the church age. And there's nothing else that has to happen on God's prophetic calendar for the rapture to happen. It could happen at any time. It could happen at any moment. The resurrection of the righteous, the resurrection of the just. We see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says... But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. If your, if your loved one is a believer in Jesus Christ, when they die, you don't have to sorrow without hope. There is hope. There is hope because death was swallowed up in victory. When Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, he conquered death. And all those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they will also conquer death through Christ's resurrection. It says in verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain... Unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. The word there, asleep, is referring to dead people. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the trumpet is going to sound one day, and believers are going to be caught up to heaven. Those that are in the graves are going to be caught up, and those that are alive and remain and that are on the earth at this time, they will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. And in just a moment of time, they will be caught up to be with God in heaven. This is the resurrection of life. The resurrection of life or the rapture is an imminent event. It could happen at any moment. It could happen at any moment. Um, look with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 20. Revelation, chapter number 20. After the tribulation period, the Bible tells us that Christ will return bodily and physically. You can read about that in Revelation, chapter 19. And he will bring judgment upon the earth, 
and he will set up a kingdom. And that kingdom is what we call the millennial reign of Christ. And he will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. Then Satan will be loose to deceive the nations. And then God will bring judgment again. A final judgment upon the earth. And then all, all men, all, all who are not saved, then they will stand before God. They will be resurrected. And they will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And so we see this in Revelation chapter 20 um, and verse number 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a, bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should... He should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So during this millennial reign, those that were martyred during the tribulation period, um, they will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years we're finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's the resurrection of the just. On such, the second death hath not power. Those that are partakers of the first resurrection, um, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on on the breadth of the earth encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. I'm not for sure the, 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 the distance of time um, after Satan is loosed, but judgment will come again. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, Forever and ever. Now turn back with me to Second um, Peter, Second Peter chapter three. At this final judgment, when Satan is banished to hell forever, um, the earth is also um, it's 
it's totally um, melted down. And God creates a new heaven and a new earth. So what we see in this world, all of it will one day be destroyed by God's judgment. By God's judgment. And we read about that judgment here in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, and both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And so the Old Testament has many prophets that prophesy of Christ's eternal kingdom, of his millennial kingdom, then his eternal kingdom. They have, there are many prophets that testify of that. And then the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So the apostles, they preached about Christ's second coming and Christ's judgment upon the earth. Now it says in verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So the scoffers say that since God created the world, everything has just gone on unchanged for, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But this they are willingly ignorant of, it says in verse 5, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. You see, there was a time about 4,000 years ago, I believe, that, that God brought judgment upon this earth through a worldwide flood. And the geological formations of the world and the deposits of all of the fossils and all of the fossil fuel are, are evidence that there was a cataclysmic um, destruction brought upon this earth by God. And God promised after the flood that he would never judge the world again with a flood. But the word of God says that he will judge this world um, and he will, um, he will bring judgment and he will melt this world down. Notice what it says here as we read on. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. Just because Christ hasn't returned yet, just because judgment hasn't fallen yet, that doesn't mean God isn't going to keep his word. God is not slack concerning his promises. God keeps his word. And judgment upon this earth is coming. Why does God hold back his judgment? Well, it says, he, but his long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why is God's judgment held back? There's, 
There's so much wicked and evil in this world. Why does God hold back his judgment? Because he wants people to repent. He wants people to turn to him for salvation. Notice in verse number 10, but the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. When that first trumpet blows and the Christians, those that believe on Christ are caught up to heaven, that's going to come as a thief in the night. That's going to come. Nobody's going to know when that's going to happen. But when that happens, God's judgment calendar begins to roll. And judgment is coming. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You know, the Bible tells Christians to set not your affections on things below, to set our affections on things above. Everything in this world is going to be burnt up. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, all these things that we see around us, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. If we turn back to the book of Revelation chapter 20, just prior to the unveiling of this new heaven and new earth, this earth will be judged, this earth will be melt, melted, this earth will be dissolved, and there'll be a resurrection of damnation. Those that have not believed on Christ will be resurrected. It says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. What a sad statement. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. So everybody, no matter your status, no matter your education, every human being will stand before God. Unless their name was in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Book of Life. We'll see this in just a minute. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according 
to their works. God has a book with everything we've ever done written down in that book. And guess what? That book reveals that we have sinned against a holy God. There will be no doubt about it. We've all sinned against a holy God. It says, verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. That's the resurrection. Everybody that was dead at sea, the, um, the, the sea will give up the dead. And death and hell, that's the graves, delivered up the dead which were in them. In, in Hades, in, in, in Luke chapter 16, you'll find a place called Hades or Abraham's bosom. There was a place of punishment there. And the dead will give up um, the residence of of that place of the dead and they will stand before God and they and they were judged it says every man according to their works every man according to the works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so there'll be a judgment one day at the end of those thousand years after Satan is released to deceive the nations. There'll be a final judgment upon this earth and there'll be a great white throne judgment and everyone whose name is not written in the book of life, will be cast into the lake of fire. These are sobering truths, but these are realities. These are biblical realities. So the question this morning is, how do we escape? How do we escape the judgment of God? If, there, if everybody has a book and all our all our actions and all our thoughts are written down in that book. How do we escape the judgment of God? Well, we saw there in, 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 in first, 2 Peter chapter 3, we need to repent. We need to turn to God. But what has God done? What has God done? Now, go to John chapter 5 and verse 24. We began in John chapter 5 um, where we saw... We will all go to a grave. John chapter 5 and verse 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And some shall come forth, they that have done good under the resurrection of life. So there'll be a resurrection of life. And then there'll be a resurrection of damnation. And that's when they stand at the great white throne judgment. But notice, notice back in, in verse number... Um, let, let's look at verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. 
For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, the word quicken means to make alive, even so the Son of Man quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment under the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Jesus Christ must be honored in the same way God the Father is honored. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. We have to understand that Jesus is equal with God. Jesus is God. The Bible reveals God as a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And they all deserve the same honor. In verse number 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You see that statement there, shall not come into condemnation? We spoke about the resurrection of the just, and then we spoke of the resurrection of damnation. To escape the resurrection of damnation, um, we've got to pay close attention to this statement here, shall not come into condemnation. How can you avoid the judgment of God? Well, in verse 24, it says you've got to hear God's word. God has a message for humanity. The message begins with this fact. We are all sinners. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. We are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. The word come short, it, it has the idea of a target and a bullseye. You know, a lot of, if, if you ask people, if you die today, are you going to go to heaven? Sometimes people will say, I think so, or yes, I am, and Sometimes they're answer, if you ask, why do you think so? And they'll say, because I'm a good person. Well, according to the Bible, we've all missed the bullseye. We've all missed perfection. We've all sinned against a holy God. And so, um, because of this sin, Romans 6.23 tells us, the wages of sin is death. And we read about the second death in, in Revelation 20. The second death is an eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. That is the second death. That is the wage for our sin. That's what our sins deserve. So the only way for us to ex escape condemnation 
is somebody has to pay our penalty. And this penalty has to pay, be paid by a holy being, a perfect being. And Jesus Christ, he came to this earth as the God-man. He was all God. He didn't have a human father. The Holy Spirit put Jesus in the womb of Mary. He was all God and he was all man. He lived as a man in a, in, in a body that could get sick, in a body that could get tired. His body wasn't superhuman. His body was just human. He was faced with temptations, yet he never sinned. He was just, he was God in a human body. And in that human body, Jesus never, ever sinned. The Son of God never sinned in that human body. And so when he died on the cross, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Jesus was beaten with that cat of nine tails 39 times. His back was ripped to shreds. His bones and his innards could be seen. He was beaten beyond recognition. And why did he do that? He did that because he was paying for my sins and your sins and for the sins of the world. And then they took a, a nail and they put it in the palms of his hands and they put it in his feet and they nailed him to a cross. And he shed his blood. Why? So that we could be forgiven. So our sins could be paid for. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep, we have all gone astray. We have all turned, everyone to his own way. And the Lord, God the Father, took all of our sins and he laid them on Jesus Christ. He put them on Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches that when a sinner believes on Christ, Christ's righteousness, Christ's holiness is put on that sinner's account. And we are made righteous. The Bible is so very clear that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Salvation is a gift. Now, it's not a gift of little value. It's a gift of eternal value. It's a gift given by the eternal Son of God. When He died and He shed His blood for your sins, He wants to give you eternal life. It's a gift. Now, because it's a gift, you can't work for it. I grew up in a religion that taught me that going to heaven was based on your works, was based on your goodness. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there's, there's salvation only in the name of Jesus Christ. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ 
died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The only way that we can be made righteous, the only way that our sins can be covered, it's not by our works, it's not by our religious um, commitments, it's by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. You cannot earn your way to heaven. There's no church that can get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, that's the only thing that can get you to heaven. And so what is our, um, what, what needs to be our response to this message? It says in verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word. So how do we get ready for heaven? We hear the word of God. We hear these facts that we're sinners. That we're on our way to hell. That Jesus died on the cross for us and was buried and rose again. We hear these truths. And then it says, and believeth on him that sent me. Hath everlasting life. Believeth on him. That is a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Now, it's a belief for the purpose of salvation. You see, before, before I was 12 years old, I had a belief in Jesus. I had heard about Jesus. If someone asked me, do you believe in Jesus? I would have said I believed in Jesus. He's a historical figure. He's a, he, he, was, he was talked about at my church. But what I didn't have prior to the time I was 12 years old... I didn't have the knowledge that I was a sinner on my way to hell and that my sins were put on Jesus and I needed Jesus personally. It's when a sinner realizes they have a personal need to be saved, to be forgiven, to be justified, for their sins to be covered. When they realize that need and they look to Jesus Christ and they put their faith in him. That's what it means to believe on Christ. You know, in Romans chapter 10, this is our final verse um, this morning, and Rome, or final few verses. In Romans chapter 10, the word of God makes it simple to understand what it means to believe on Christ. It says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if thou, that's you, that's anybody here that today, that if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, if you'll recognize that he is Lord, if you'll recognize that um, he is the judge, if, if we'll recognize today that one day we're going to stand before him, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine 
heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou might be saved. No, that's not what it says. It says, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. You see, God sees your heart. Nobody else in this room sees your heart. But God sees your heart. And from that heart, if you will believe on Jesus Christ, he will give you his righteousness. And it says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. When a person believes on Christ, their natural thing will be to tell others about Jesus And then it says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. You know, our our congregation is a great example of this. We have people, on, on, on anniversary Sunday, we had people from ten nations. Ten nations. And there is no difference what nation you came from. It says, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him anybody that calls upon him he will shower his grace he will shower his riches he'll shower his goodness upon you and notice verse 13 it says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved whoever whosoever that's anybody Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you believed on Jesus Christ? Are you ready for heaven? Has there been a moment in time when you realized that you were lost and you realized Jesus died for you and you asked him to be your savior? If you don't have that time, May I challenge you, in just a moment, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes. Remember, it says, with the heart, man believeth unto the righteousness. God is listening. He can hear your heart. And if you'll call upon him from your heart, he will hear your prayer and he will keep his word. If you recognize you're a sinner, if you recognize you're under the judgment of God, You're going to stand at that great white throne judgment one day. And Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that can forgive you. He's the only one that can pay for your sins. And if you'll look to him and ask him to save you from your heart, God promises to save. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Father, thank you for creating us. Thank you for giving us life. And thank you, Lord, that even though we sinned against you, it was in your plan to leave heaven and to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, I thank you that you offer forgiveness You offer life. 
you offer everlasting life to anyone that will call upon you and ask you to be their Savior. Father, I pray this morning that if there's someone here today that's not saved, that your Holy Spirit will show them right now in their heart that they're on their way to hell and that Jesus is the only answer. Holy Spirit, we ask you to show that to people's hearts. If you're here today and you realize you're a sinner and you realize that Jesus died for you, would you call upon him from your heart? In the quietness of your heart, nobody else can see. Would you ask Jesus, Jesus, would you come into my heart and save me from my sin? Would you come into my life? Would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? Please come into my heart. Please save me. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if today you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you asked him into your heart, I would love to... I would love to rejoice with you after the service in the lobby. If you could just let me know by raising up your hand. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like, to, I'd like to touch base with you after the service. Is there anyone like that today? Today you ask Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. Is there anyone like that today? Okay. I don't see any hands today. But the wonderful thing about this message is it works 24 hours a day seven days a week. Jesus is ready to be saved, uh, ready to save. And he'll, he'll save you if you'll ask him, if you'll ask him into your heart and into your life. Father, we thank you today for the simplicity of the gospel. We pray that you would take these gospel truths and that you would work them in people's hearts. And Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, I pray that before this day is over, they would turn their eyes to heaven and they would ask Jesus Christ to come in their life and to save them. Lord, please work in people's hearts. And Lord, thank you for bringing us to your house today. In Jesus' name, amen.